Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast today is uh, sponsored in celebration of the marriage of Je- uh, Jennifer Ohev Shalom to Je- Jeffrey Chira, sponsored by Sapir and Daniel Ohev Shalom. And as well, breakfast is sponsored by Sunny Dua for the Rifuash Lema of Meir Ben Adelia. And as well, the class today is in the Zichut of my daughter, Charna, getting married to uh, Yoshua Cohen. Uh, on Wednesday night, Abba Alenu Shalom Bezat Hashem, it should be B'Sha'atova Mutzlacha. Okay. Rabotai, there's a very interesting pasuk, shh, very interesting pasuk in, uh, in the Navi. The Navi says about Noah, Ki mei Noah huli. The waters of the flood are called the waters of Noah. And the question that gets asked by everybody is, how in the world are you going to call these waters the waters of Noah, when the only person that was saved from them was actually Noah. It doesn't actually, it's not a fair characterization to call the waters of the flood after Noah himself. And the answer, Rabotai, is our rabbis tell us, the Zohar writes, that the flood was actually blamed on Noah. Why? Because all the time that Noah was there and building the Teva, he didn't pray for the Jewish, he didn't pray for the people of the world even one time that they should be saved. That's what the Zohar says. So therefore, we lay the blame of the, tev, of the flood at Noah's feet because he should have prayed for the people of his generation. That's what the Zohar teaches us. And we learn this idea. And I have to say, this is a fascinating and an exhilarating and a terrifying concept all rolled up into one. Why? Let me explain. Here's this guy, Noah. 120 years he's building the Teva. What's the reason why he's building it for so long? In order that the people should do teshuvah. So his whole purpose in dragging out this building of the teshuvah for so long, God could have saved him with a miracle. The whole reason for it, what was the purpose? The purpose was only for one thing, was so that the people would ask, why are you building the teshuvah? And Noah could say to them, you know, I'm building the teshuvah in order that uh, you guys should do teshuvah and, and we shouldn't have a flood. You should be able to see me building. And I'm going to ask me, why are you building a teshuvah in the middle of town? Surely you should build it near the water. How are you going to get it to the water? And Noah would say, oh, don't worry, the waters are coming here. In the words of Kamala Harris, they're coming for you. Right? That's what uh, Noah was going to tell everybody. Okay? So what in the world, what in the world could Noah have done more with his prayers if after all of those times and all of those conversations, not even one person joined him on his crusade, on his mission? How could that be? Think about that. You give a Sadiq like Noah 120 years to convince people. You have him, he even has props. He's building a teva. Not one person joins. The only people that are with Noah in the teva is his family. And that is considered to be a colossal failure on, the he- on behalf of Noah that he did not manage to get even, save even one person other than his family. Okay? Rabotai. We learn from this a tremendous, tremendous idea. And the idea is that for most of us, we think we know what the heavenly court is going to look like. We think we know. Like if I asked you, what charges are they going to bring against you in Shamayim? I think most of us know. We know what we've done wrong. Lev Yodea, a heart knows, Marat Nafsho, the difficulties that he experiences, right? Well, I know my Averot. I know that they're going to tell me, Rabbi, you know, you came late to prayer on this day and that day. You walked in late. And after that, we noticed that maybe you weren't having concentration. We also know, Rabbi, that you spoke Lashon Ara about this person. To, you know, you thought you were doing really for the right reason, but actually you enjoyed it a little bit too much. 
You know, Rabbi, this one time when you came to shul a little late for Shabbat, someone thought that, you know, they looked at you and they thought that they had plenty of time and because of you were the mechalit. Right? You, we think we know what's going to be on our, on our short list. But then we're going to get to Shamayim. They used to say in Navardak, in, uh, in the Yeshiva of Musar, they used to say we're going to get to Shamayim and you know what's going to happen when we get to heaven? In heaven they're going to tell us you're a murderer and you killed these people, you know, and you stole money. And, and they're going to tell us all these things and we're going to be like, I never, what are you talking I'm a rabbi, I built, I have a religious family, I didn't ever murder anybody. I don't even remember a time when I punched someone in the face, never mind murder them. And then the guy, this rabbi in Shamayim is going to get his Gemara head on. He's like, oh, I remember. The Gemara says, If you insulted someone publicly, it's as if, you killed him. That's the murder charge. In Shamaim, they're going to call you a murderer. In Shamaim, they're going to say you stole something. Why? Because someone asked you, should I invest with this guy? And you said, I don't know. You stole Parnassah from him. Because you weren't careful the way you spoke. You owed someone money, and you didn't pay the money back. And granted, there might have been a problem as to why you couldn't pay back initially. You might not have had the money, or it might not have been clear... So you gave yourself, you told yourself it's okay for the time. But meanwhile, that money, that, that doesn't go away because you don't have the money to pay right now. The fact that you declared bankruptcy, you think that the legality of bankruptcy wipes out your responsibility to pay debtors? Of course it doesn't. Even if Uncle Sam says it's okay, Uncle Hashem doesn't say it's okay. So all of these things that we didn't think about, all of a sudden they're on the docket, they're on the ticket in Shamayim. But Rabotai, that same process, like Noah turns up and he gets to Shamaim and he thinks he's got it made. Tzadik, Tamim, Ayabedorotav, Eta Elohim, Noah. God says, back up the trailers. Beep, beep, beep. And they start pouring every drop of water that covered the whole world. And then all the dead bodies. It's all on Noah. That's what the Zohar teaches us. You see, there's a fundamental mistake that we make when we think of our Judaism. And that is that we understand in our Judaism that what we have to do is make sure we stay away from the Averot. And we have to do the mitzvot. But actually, Judaism is about far more than that. Judaism demands, Bore Olam asks of us to fulfill the potential that we have inside of ourselves. That's a chiyuv, that's an obligation. So if you just did, you ran a nice life, that's not enough. Because if you could have done more, God's going to say, why didn't you? Noach said tzaddik, by whose by who's hash'ara? By God's estimation, it says Noach said tzaddik. By God's estimation, Noach is tamim. Noach walked with Hashem. By God's estimation. And yet, and yet, murderer. Genocide. Killed more people, Yani percentage of the world than Hitler and Stalin. Could you imagine that? The Gemara Nidarim on page 40 says, You go and you visit the sick, it's as if you saved their life. And if you did not go to Bikur Cholim, it's as if Gorem, you caused the person's death. Al-Chachamim explained what's the reason. The reason is because when you go visit the sick, 
You see the person in the state that they're in, your heart is filled with mercy, with uh, feeling for that person. And when you pray, you pray from the depths of your heart. And you could save the person's life. So let me think to myself, what I got to go visit the guy for? If I visit him, I saved his life. If I didn't visit him, I killed him, right? I'll sit here, I'll pray at home. The answer is your prayers at home are not the same. And what we learn from the Gemara and the Darim is, even if you did pray for him at home, and you made a Mishiberach in the shul, but you didn't visit him, you didn't pray as deeply as you could, if you could have done more, we're taken to task for that. But Rabotai, that teaches us not only the uh, magnitude of what, what it is that we need to fulfill with our lives and to see the potential that we have to do great things and to affect change in people, Rabotai. But it also teaches us, by the by and on the side, how powerful we are and how powerful our prayers are. If I could go be mevaker chole and pray with deep heart, I could bring someone to life. You realize how powerful you are now? Now, if you ever saw a surgeon, you're talking, having a deep conversation with the surgeon, all of a sudden his, his phone rings. And the guy says, Mechila, I'm sorry, I'm a doctor, I have to answer that. You feel bad that he interrupted you? Then you tell him, no, of course, take it. <laughs> He's saving a life, we're just uh, hackying over here. I'm not... Why do you think you're different than that surgeon? The needs of the community, the challenges, the people that are unwell, the people who need parnasah, shiduchim, children, whatever it is that people need. We know the world needs a lot of different things. You hold the keys to be able to make the difference. And what's the proof? This is a gemara that says, you didn't visit the sick, it's as if you killed them. Why? Because you could have changed the outcome with your tefillot. But the problem is that we don't believe ourselves capable of that. And the rabbis say that that was what happened with Noah. Why didn't Noah pray? Not because he wasn't kind. Not because he wasn't a sadiq. He was a sadiq. But he didn't imagine that he had the power in his words to be able to affect a change for the entire world. You see that a human being can be held responsible for saving all of the world. Rav Shach once noted, he says, you look at Hitler and you see a man that killed six million. And he said, once I let me finish the sentence, I'll take the question. He says, if one man can kill six million, then it has to be that one man can save six million. Now, what did Hitler require in order to do what he did? He required a maniacal uh, dedication to what he believed was the right thing to do in his twisted, evil mind. But if we, forget the evil part, if we see that something is absolutely necessary, if there's people who are starving, so get, make the food, raise the money, you know, get the money from the government, go figure it out, you, you do it, do it. If you believed it strongly enough, then it is in the power of one person to mobilize. Now he taught that, that he accomplished this by spreading so much hatred in Germany that he managed to build himself an army to be able to take care of what he needed. But you, we can build armies for good. Do you ever think of that? Armies for good, not for destruction or warfare. The Torah talks about it. It says, kulam They will all come together in one grouping to do the will of Hashem. Think about that. Uniforms, armies. Not a gun, but maybe, I don't know, a shovel or spatula, Right? Armies for good. Rabotai, don't think of what you can do and what you can't do. Think about what you should do. 
The minute a person starts to see their life in that way, they become unbelievably powerful. They know that their prayers can heal the sick and can save lives and can change economies. They know that about themselves. Think about this. You're saying every day, Barachenu Avinu. What do we say in Barachenu? What do we say when we say Mashiva Ruch Muridageshem? We tell God to make it rain. Do you, could we stop for one second? Just hold on one second. Oh, just one second. Just back that up. That means that you believe, if you're praying that, that you control the weather. I control with my words the economies of the world. Hashem, give us a good year for Paranasah. I want rain like this. I want the Mashiach to come. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? No. No. Your words change worlds. When you believe that about yourself, you're able to do remarkable things. And the Torah and God is going to ask that of you. So think to yourself. You look at somebody, you see they're down. Think to yourself, I have the power to turn that person's life around. And then imagine, okay, how am I going to do it? Is it going to be by giving the person some money, giving them advice, becoming their friend, becoming a mentor, introducing them to the right person? Think to yourself, how can I change this person's life forever? Because when you get to Shamaim, Shamaim's going to play back that moment when you looked and you saw the frown, and they, they'll give you the EKG monitor. And Shamayim is going to show that your heart was beating faster, which means you felt bad. And God's going to say, I showed you him. I gave you the emotion that you should feel his tsar, And you didn't pray. And you didn't make an introduction. And you didn't offer him some uh, adv- uh, advice. And you didn't give him encouragement. And you didn't introduce him to um, uh, SBH. or get him a jo- You didn't do anything. Why didn't you do anything? Menoch, that's on you. But Rabotai, if that's on you, it must be that that is something that you could have done, you could have changed. So we feel ourselves to be puny beings that can barely get our own lives together. But actually the Torah tells us you could save not just the life of your friend, not just the life of your community, but the life of the whole world. But we need to change the way that we think. That's, I think, the hidden lesson here. We had a question. You're you're falling prey to the same mistake that Noah made. There are human limitations. But if you couldn't have done, God doesn't put a hold it on you. But if you could have, then you must. Yes, you could. Except the fact that you also need Pinasa for your own family. You need to make money for yourself. So there's a certain limitation. Like as an example, I have to give tzedakah, but there's an amount that I have to give and a certain amount that I need to keep for myself. If I'm, if I'm giving more than what I can and I'm not taking care of myself, that's also an avera. The rabbis say that a person should give 10, is not allowed to give more than 20%. So we're clearly being told that there's a balance of a healthy balance that a person needs to be able to give, more than that they're not held responsible for. So if you visited one sick person, you're walking back, now there's 16 sick people between the person you visited and the elevator. So stop by all of them, the answer is, but I have a job to, so I have to do what I can do. A lot of the times, a person's specific interactions in life are meant to guide him to understand where he should be investing his time. Why would God introduce this random person? Has that ever happened to you? A random person starts crying to you about their marriage. You're thinking, well, how did this happen? God sent you that. And the fact that it's weird 
only illustrates even more that God wanted you to be involved somehow in this. Now, sometimes your involvement, what do I know about fixing a marriage? I'm a single guy. The answer might be, yeah, but I know a great rabbi for this. Or I went to an amazing therapist and they're fantastic. I know that they'd be able to help them. You see, you can act as a bridge, but you did something. Maybe all you were supposed to do, if you don't know a therapist and you don't know a rabbi and you can't help them, maybe the only thing you were supposed to do is feel for them and turn that into a prayer from the depths of your heart. I remember once walking with a blind man. And as we're walking down the stairs, we get outside the door, he stops. And I said, everything okay? Now, when someone's blind, their other senses are increased dramatically. He could hear something that I couldn't hear. He says, shh. He heard the sound of an ambulance, I don't know, miles away. I heard it like 10 seconds later after him. He said, I hear an ambulance. I was like, okay. He says, whenever I hear an ambulance, I stop wherever I am, and I say to Helene that whoever's in that ambulance should have a refuah shalema. Now, you see, that's not hard to say 10 seconds of prayer. That's sensitivity. It's changing the way that you think. It's thinking, if God made me hear an ambulance siren... There must be something I can do about it, even if it doesn't even turn on the block that I'm on, even if I'll never know who's in it or the problem that they're having. You hear that? That's a response uh, of a Jewish person. But it also teaches us the immense power that we have inside of ourselves that we're not even aware of. Baruch Amen. Amen. Rabbi